Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you, God, for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that in your word you have declared that you have given us the authority over unclean spirits and darknesses, and that, God, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against those powers and principalities of darkness, those places, Lord, where evil would try to lurk. And we thank you, God, that you've also told us in, our, in your word that, that the church would come under attack. That, God, there would come places where people would come as wolves in sheep's clothing. And today, Lord God, before we open your word, we declare, Lord God, that the light would shine in this place in a powerful and mighty way. And that every dark spirit would be cast out in Jesus' name. That every force of hell that would try to distract the minds of those that are here to hear, I pray, God, that you would cause those darknesses to be bound, broken. Every spirit, whether, Lord, named or unnamed, that it would be cast out. And that Today, Lord, through the, through the word and through the preaching and through the teaching, Lord, you would minister, Lord, in the power and might of your will. God, let your grace be more than enough for this time and let there be, Father, an outpouring of your spirit in our hearts. My today, church, if you're in need of something, if you need God to move in your heart, if you need a, a place where the enemy would be driven out, where oppression would stop, the voices would hind, that are hindering you would be silenced, just reach out right now. Cup your hands and say, God, I receive you. Because there's only one thing that will drive out darkness, and that is light. Light, come. Light, you are the light of the world. Come light up my life, I pray. In Jesus' name, I receive that today. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. Well, good morning. It is good to see you here. It's good to have you all out. I love to be able to look out and see your smiling faces. It is, uh, again, as... as my wife, Joni, said, in case you didn't know, it was my wife who was talking. I, I was trying really quick to, to try to describe that, and that was just the word that came out. Anyway, my beautiful wife, Joni. We thank you for being here. We do. I tell you what, we are in this time where we are celebrating National Back to Church Sunday, and we are celebrating that every Sunday in the month of August. And I want to encourage you to invite your friends, to invite people out. I mean, statistically, people don't come to church because they're not invited. You know why most people that have not been to church come to church? Come on. Because they're invited. Because somebody, neighbors, do I really want to stand before God one day? Or do I really want to answer to them one day when they come to me and say, man, all those years you lived, lived next door, why didn't you tell me? If you really believed all of this, why didn't you tell me? So we need to reach out. And so for those of you who are here today for the first time, I tell you, we had, first service, we had a whole bunch of first-time visitors. It was amazing and wonderful. And I thank you that we have a number of you that are here today. And we thank God that you're here. You are welcomed, and I want you to feel welcomed. I pray that God will cause you to find a home here, find a cup of coffee over there, and make yourself comfortable. And for those of you that invited them, for those of you who extended invitations to people this week, thank you. Thank you for doing as we asked and desire for you to do. So thank you. We in our, and, and there's a, a reason behind this. I think one of the issues that we have in the church today is, is a lack of a root system. God's longing for the church is that we would go deep, not just wide. 
And so, you know, he, he's provided a well, not a puddle. And he wants us to dive into that so that we can allow our roots to go deep. So we, and because church, listen, and in the coming weeks, I'll talk more about this. But we are at a time right now where we are fast approaching what very well could be the end days. Um, the way that the world looks today and what's going on today, we very well may be. Whatever your belief or whatever your disbelief in that area is, it really doesn't matter. God's going to do what God will do anyway. Amen. But it does look as though, man, we are coming close very quickly to what will be the end times. And there will be a great persecution that comes to the church and it's happening around the world. It's happening in Pakistan in tremendous level. Christians, churches are being burned. Christians are being killed, martyred. They're around the world. We have more martyrs today than we've ever had. And it is coming here. And in these times of persecution, the Bible says there will be a great falling away. Do you know who will fall away? Those who don't have a deep root system. So I want to take this time in August to talk about this, to go through what can we do? How do we develop a root system in our lives? How do we become rooted? Because we're going to go into it towards the end, in, through the rest of the year. We're going to go into a sermon series called Behind the Curtain. And I want to pull back what's going on behind the curtain, behind this veil that we have in this world, this humanity that we have, and what's going on in the spirit realm. You, I think you'll be surprised. I think you'll be shocked. I think some of you will be enlightened. Some of you will be disheartened. And so I want to see you begin to apply the principles that can bring the roots down deep so that in this time you can seek truth and not just be swayed by the culture in which we live in. Amen? Amen. So we are looking at in this rooted the benefits of developing a deep foundational system, a deep foundational root system that is founded in grace, that's founded in the love of God. We need to see this root system go deep. And so a couple weeks ago, we started talking about, about being rooted in sharing, about being rooted in sharing. We should be waking up every single morning. Our prayer should be in our morning prayer time, even if it's just for a moment, say, God, prepare me for this day and who you have to bring into my life. God wants you to be a light every single day. So we should be praying and asking if we're going to be rooted in sharing, God, how can I share my faith? Who are you going to bring into my life that I can tell about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about Jesus? his life, his death, and his resurrection. Because today, I am an ambassador, not of this world, but I am an ambassador of the kingdom of God, and I am just here for a little while. Amen. Last week, I talked about having our roots in our faith, being rooted in faith, how that will transform our lives, how that will help us to live the life that God has called us to, a life that will honor God, a life that will bless others around us. And the way in which our faith is revealed, our faith is revealed, in the true faith of our life is revealed by the fruit that's produced in our life. So we talked about all of that. And this week I want to look at something, again, very, very simple, but not easy. And some of you may go, when I tell you, you didn't put it up there yet, did Hold on a sec. You're going you're to look at what I'm talking about and go, oh, I knew that. And my question would be, did you? I want to talk about being rooted in prayer and Bible study. 
The statistics in this area are really poor. Really poor. Being rooted in prayer and study is what will help us grow into the, the people that God created us to be. When uh, Joni and I moved here from Lake Havasu City, we moved from, we lived in Lake Havasu for close to 20 years. And um, in Lake Havasu, when something in your yard, when something green grows in your yard, you kill it. You, you, you kill it because it will probably, more than likely, it will hurt you. It's got thorns. It's got spikes. What, what grew in our yard was scorpion weed. Have you ever been touched by scorpion weed? You, I wouldn't suggest you try it, but it will make you itch like uh, poison ivy. And uh, anyway, so you killed it. So when I was in Arizona, well, I would go out in you know, a weekly basis or two weeks or three weeks. I'd go out and I'd have to pull weeds out of the yard because we had this gravel yard. The backyard, the front yard, it was all just gravel. And so we, we pulled the weeds or I killed them. I killed them with Roundup. When we moved here, we had grass. It was the first time in my life that I had ever had grass. I mean, we lived in Michigan, so when I was little, we did. But Michigan, the grass, everything grew. I mean, you didn't have to do anything. Everything just grew. Well, when I moved here, we had grass in our front yard, and so I thought that was cool. He left a lawnmower, so I knew how to, you know, start the lawnmower and do that. But our backyard was totally just weeds. It was like just weeds. Everything was weeds. So I did what a good Arizona boy would do, and I went down and bought a big bottle of Roundup, and I sprayed all the weeds. Well, what I did not know or did not think ahead of time was what was I going to do after the weeds all died? Because what happened, I did not expect. Here, it snows and the snow melts and it makes, we had, we had a backyard that was nothing but mud for about six months. Every time the dogs went outside, we had to give them a bath because it was like just mud. And so I quickly, I had no choice but to Something else I had never done before, put sod down. So we put sod down in our whole backyard, and I was just really proud of it. You know, it was, looked good. It was grass. It was growing. Everything was great. And so I, I was taking really good care of it. And then I would go out into the front yard, and I noticed that the front yard did not look like the backyard did. The front yard, it had all kinds of thorny, thistly little things that were growing in the grass. There was all these things with these terrible little goat heads growing on them. There was, there was all kinds of crabgrass and all sorts of weeds that were growing in my front yard. And I'm looking at my front yard, and every time I mow it, there, I'm, I'm seeing less and less grass and more and more weeds. Well, I got afraid that it was going to happen in the backyard, and it did. It started to grow into the backyard, because we live right across the street from a field that just blew all these weeds in every time the wind blew. So I didn't know what to do. Well, I had a next door neighbor. His name was Gary. Gary had a beautiful yard. Gary's yard looked like it was like manicured. And so I went over and I asked Gary, he was the best neighbor I have ever had, amazing guy. And I went over and asked him, you know, what, what, what's going on with my yard? And Gary said, well, Mark, have you fertilized it? I, did, I had no idea there was such a thing. He said, have you ever used weed and feed? I had no idea. 
So Gary goes into his garage and he brings out this bottle that hooks on your hose and it's weed and feed. And so I went out and I sprayed my whole yard with this weed and feed. The whole front yard, I sprayed the whole backyard and it was amazing. All of a sudden, all the weeds started to die. It was like every time I'd mow, I'd see less and less weeds and more and more grass. It was like incredible. This stuff was magic. But I learned something through all of that. I learned that if I wanted to have a a really healthy, vibrant grass yard, it takes maintenance. It takes work. And I found out that it took more than just the superficial kind of water it and mow it. It had to begin to do things to help the roots. And church, I found that weeds are always trying to get back into my yard. They're always, I mean, they always are trying to pop back up and, and please, I don't, <laughs> I'm not trying to be offensive to the weed huggers. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want them in my yard. That's my prerogative. <laughs> I choose what I do with my weeds. But they would keep coming back and so I'd, I'd mow and they'd, you know, they'd, come, they'd try to come back and so I'd have to, Maintenance, my yard. Well, our lives are not much different than our yards are. Without the right spiritual maintenance, the sin, the weed of sin will continually try to make its way back in. It will always try to come back in. And we need to learn what spiritual maintenance in our spiritual life looks like. We need to know what is spiritual fertilizer that will help the roots, the healthy roots, grow deep and grow strong without being you know, interrupted with things that would try to come against that, without the, without the roots of dysfunction, without the roots of sin, without the roots of, of, of folly and unrighteousness and brokenness. And the Bible gives us these very simple practices that can help us to live the life, the full life that God wants us to live, these simple practices. And I'll tell you, these principles are very, very simple. But they are not at all easy to maintain. To continually sustain these things, you have to work at it. And these spiritual disciplines that guide us, that keeps us connected to God, that cause our roots to go deep, are prayer and Bible study. Church, you have to have prayer and Bible study in your life. As a Christian, you have to, or the weeds will just overtake you. So, oh, I do that. I do that every time I go to church. No, you've got to begin to apply these things on a daily basis. The first thing I want to talk about is prayer. Church, if you're lacking peace, you're probably lacking prayer. Because prayer produces peace. Right? And again, no condemnation in that. I hope that encourages you. Oh, wow, I am having a hard time finding peace in my life. Praise God, you can add prayer and God will give you that peace. But one of the reasons that we find ourselves just stagnant, find ourselves discouraged all the time is because of all the stressful things that are in life all around us. Everywhere we turn, everywhere you look, you don't have to turn on the news. You just hear it. It's all over. It's around you. It's everywhere you go. There's wars and rumors of wars everywhere. We've got wars going on in the Ukraine and Russia. We've got China and Taiwan. We've got Iran and Israel. We've got got North Korea and South Korea. We've got all of these things going on all around us us and these things when you look at it it becomes too it can become 
stressful. There's inside our own borders, we've got riots going on, chaos happening. Listen, our inner, our, not even inner cities any longer. Our major cities are war zones. One of the most dangerous places you can go in the world is to the big city. Go, go to Chicago. There, I mean, there are more people that are dying there. It's just crazy what's happening. The divided political climate that we live in today. Politics isn't divided by, oh, I believe this or I believe that. It's divided by a hatred today. There's a vitriol hatred between the different parties and different groups that happen. The climate is absolutely devastating. The wokeism that we're being confronted with on every single level, whether it be in school or home, no matter where we turn, we are being confronted with this whole demonic spirit of wokeism. We have conflicts because of that. We, we uh, you know, again, I, I don't even know. Sometimes when I'm writing my sermons, it's like, man, I, I, this goes through my mind. I don't, should I call them men and women or people? Because it's become so, I mean, it, you, it's offensive to call somebody a man. It's offensive to call somebody a woman. And especially when you're out there working in secular places, it's like, I, 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 I don't know which bathroom, I'm just going to hold it. I don't know what bathroom do you that that's a dude with a skirt on. I'm not sure if I go in there or not. It's just I mean, and that's just the truth. And the conflict that some of this, I mean, the I cannot believe that our school system, that we're having battles as to whether a parent should be informed of a child that wants to be a different gender. Church, you have to understand, like this or don't like this. That's a demonic spirit at work. Our, our, our conflicts that are happening inside of the home through all of these things that are going on. Sicknesses and disease and epidemics. Church, we have an epidemic going on right now. We have got a, a drug epidemic, and I'm not talking about fentanyl. I'm talking about dopamine. We have a dopamine epidemic. And the dealer is social media. And it, and it comes through this. Ah. Somebody liked it. The financial climate, the financial world that we live in is so unstable. The economic uncertainties that are all around us, it's all out there. Church, listen, I hope you understand. I'm not trying to make you feel anxious. <laughs> but these are the truths that we deal with each and every day. And it all leaves us feeling, if we can really easily get sucked into feeling anxious and overwhelmed. But the Bible doesn't want us to be that way. God doesn't want us to be that way. God does, now listen church, God does not want outside forces to crush you. In fact, so much so that he has given us supernatural help from a supernatural God to overcome the natural. Amen. But do we use it? That's, that's the sad part. Because statistically, the church is anemic. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Anxious, I'm not a suggestion to my kid. Hey, that's a command from God. 
That's like me saying to my kid, hey, don't go into the street. Okay, that's a command. Listen, don't go into the street. Why not? You know what? I don't feel like I should have to tell you, but so you don't get run over by a car. Because you're not, at this point in your life, smart enough not to get run over by a car. So I want to protect you. Don't go into the street. Here he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. But, and the command goes on. But in everything, come on, say everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's the command that he gives us. And I'm going to talk about this, but the next verse gives us the promise that if we'll do this, the next promise that he gives us, and he says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus your Lord. That's the promise. But how many of us, church, and don't show your hands, but how many of us just are not experiencing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and is feeling like he's guarding our hearts and minds because our heart is torn apart, our heart is upside down, our mind is a mess, and how in the world am I ever going to be anxious about anything? God has given us this command, but the command, understand the command, and then as well as the promise that comes, but that command is given to all of us. Why? Because God just wants to keep us from being anxious. How dare he? He's protecting us. And he's saying, let go of that anxiety and trust me. Put it into my hands. (laughs) Anybody else at times find it like, unamusingly amusing that God would say, be anxious about nothing. It's like, easy for you to say. (laughs) It's not easy, is it? But let me tell you what this means. And I hope that this gives you some hope. He's telling us not to be anxious about anything. What he's saying is I want you to bring, I want you to bring the big things to me. And he's saying, I want you to bring the small things to me. And he's saying, I want you to bring the all things to me. I want you to bring it all to me. I bring it all to me in prayer. Because he's calling us, listen, in this scripture, what he's calling us to is a constant, creating this constant habit and practice of prayer. We, we, yeah, look, you may not need to, you know what? You may not really need to pray about whether you buy the name brand or the generic brand. But God's saying, pray about whether you pick the generic band or the, uh, the, the name brand because I want you to create a habit of praying about everything. I want you to get into this habit of just continually coming to me, creating this habit. Listen, church, all of it can be placed into God's hand as we, and this is a key part, as we let go of control. All the control freaks say Amen. We let go of the control and give it to the only one who has control. I have found this, and you probably would agree, I'm sure, that almost all of the stress and anxiety that we encounter in our life comes from us attempting to control what we have no ability to control. 
We're all just trying to control what we can't control. We just want to have control of it. You know what? And if I can't control it and I'm getting anxious because I can't control it and it's out of control, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to try harder to control it. And if I can't figure it out, I'm going to read an article about how I can control it. Or I'm going to watch a YouTube video about how I can control the situation because i got to figure out a way to control it. And what that's going to do is make you more and more anxious because you can't control what only God can control. You can't do it. Our response to oftentimes, when we, are, when we feel like we're out of control, our response often is to fight harder to control it. Now all the control freaks went quiet. <laughs> we shouldn't respond by trying harder. We should respond by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, coming to God, offering Him our requests, making those requests to God, talking to God about it in every circumstance, in every situation. Some of us, though, were just intimidated by this whole idea of prayer. And again, not meant in condemnation, just in truth. Most of us feel intimidated about going to God in prayer simply because we, have, we look at him as like he's God. I mean, we look at it like, like I'm going to go talk to the president. Maybe a bad example today, but <laughs> we... we we say it like, like uh, I'm going to stand before the president. I'm going to be in the Oval Office. I'm, and so we want to have it all planned out, what we're going to say. And if we don't know what to say, we don't want to do it because we're intimidated by the office. His son, on the other hand, has no problem going before his dad. Church, many of us are intimidated with prayer because we look at God simply as God Almighty. When God has said by the Holy Spirit that you'll call me Abba. That we come to him and we come uh, in an intimate way. We we shouldn't be intimidated. But so many people today, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I I don't want to say it wrong. Honestly, what you're doing is you're overcomplicating prayer. You're overcomplicating. You're overthinking it all. Stop trying to think it all out and just go to God in prayer. Matthew 18 is the best example of what it is and how it is that we're supposed to go to God in prayer. And he says, come like little children. Come like little children. We come to God and we speak to God like children. We can learn so much from them. I was, I was reading these letters about little kids who wrote to God, telling God what was on their mind. And one little kid wrote this. He said, uh, I didn't think orange and purple Went well together until I saw the sunset you made Tuesday. That was cool. Another one wrote, if you watch me in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Another said, I bet it's very hard to love everyone in the whole world. There's only four people in our family, and I'm having a hard time loving all of them. Another said, Thank you for the baby brother, but I think you confused what I prayed for because I was asking for a puppy. (laughs) I love this one. I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. Another said, please help me in school. I need help in spelling, adding, history, geography, and writing. I don't need help in anything else. See, God invites us 
to come to him and speak to him like, like a, you would talk to a, a best friend or, or even better yet, like a little child would go to their daddy to know he hears, to know that he trusts. Prayer, let's get, we, we have that kind of confidence that we can go to God and know he hears us. Prayer is nothing more church than simply honest conversation back and forth with him. It's in prayer that we're humbly admitting to God that we need his help, that I need you, God, because I can't navigate this life on my own. I have tried and I've tried. I've tried to control all these things and I can't do this, God. I need to humbly submit to you. Abraham Lincoln, he he wrote this. He said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. You ever found that all that your own wisdom and all of that or those around you has seemed just totally insufficient? Church, we need to turn to God, be rooted in prayer. Being rooted in prayer, we find ourselves being freed from being overtaken by the craziness of this world. And it is crazy. It's being rooted in prayer that helps us to keep out the weeds, the weeds of worry, the weeds of anxiety, and the weeds of stress. We, 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 we don't allow those things to overtake our lives. Amen? Amen? Another spiritual discipline, reading the Word of God. Look at church, studying, studying the Bible gives us wisdom. Do you know that this book is the book of wisdom? Amen. Do you know why God wants you to get into the book of wisdom? So that the wisdom in the book will get into you. He's given us this gift. This gift of the word of God. And he's, he wants to help our lives with the wisdom that only he has. Amen. And we can build our lives on wisdom. When we study the Bible, we learn from it. We open the Bible up and we can learn from the different characters. We can learn from the different people. We can learn from the different things that have happened to those. And we learn all the things that bless God. We learn the things that God doesn't want us to do. We learn the things that God does want us to do. We open up this word of God and we find out how it is that we can please him. And he gives us the wisdom as to how to walk through the day. This book is something that we can turn to and find will enlighten our life and change our hearts. It will minister in a transforming way in the places of our life that we long to see God move. And that's every place of our life. Yes, yes. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active. The Word of God is living and active. This book is a living book. It is alive. There is, there is, honestly, there is nothing in here that won't produce life because it is a living book. It lives. The Word of God is living and not just alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and the discerning of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book is alive, and this book is like no other book there is. There is no other book in the history of the world that is like this book here. This book is an incredible book. It's a living document. It is a living book that was written by over 40 authors. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. It is a book that was completely from cover to cover. Every church, every word in here is absolutely and completely inspired by God the Holy Spirit. 
And from cover to cover, it has the ability to bring life and to bring life into us. It is alive and it is active. Church, the Bible is alive and active. Don't kill it with your doubt and unbelief. It's alive. You know what that means? I know it's like, what does that mean? What that means is that when this book is alive and active and you're reading this book, at the same time this book, you're reading this book, this book is reading you. It's ministering, uh, it's ministering to the places that you need. It's ministering to the things that you're required to have. He's ministering. He, this book is coming alive in you because this book is beginning to read you. It says that this book is sharper than any two-edged sword. What it means is that if you read this book and as you read this living document, you take this book and this book begins to cut and divide things in your life, dividing things that you can't divide, dividing between the soul and the spirit, dividing between the emotions and feelings of your life. It begins to bring divide. It cuts right down the middle to expose truth from lies. It cuts right down the middle to take away what is just emotion and it begins to divide our emotions motives and all of our insecurities and all of our doubts. This word is able to do that. This word searches us. It begins to come into our life and begin to reveal the places where weeds have grown up in our life, places where weeds are hiding in the corners, places where there's weeds that we need to go to and uproot in our life. I don't want that in my life. I don't need that in my life. God says it's a weed. I'm getting rid of it in Jesus' name. And when we study the Word of God, we're giving God the opportunity to work in our hearts. We study the Word and say, okay, God, work in my heart. And when God starts to work in your heart, it will transform your life. It will transform you by word. It will transform you in action. When when Joni and I got married, you know, obviously I I married into Joni's family. And um, we used to have her mom and dad would have get-togethers. Well, at that time, we were really the only ones that were saved at that time. Praise God, he's bringing salvation to the family as, as we grow. But at that point, you know, parties were parties. And so family get-togethers were parties. And everyone would come over and everyone would party except for Joni and I. And Joni and I, we didn't drink. We, we were both, we had drug and alcohol problems, so we lost that ability. But we also just didn't want to do that because we were making this stand. We were, we were getting involved in church. I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to, you know, just get my life right. I, I was going to all these discipling programs and things of that sort. And um, so we would go over to Joni's parents' house and they would have this big get-together and, and you probably all have one of these in your family. Uncle Gene. <laughs> Uncle Gene. What, Uncle Gene was, a, was a, a nice enough guy, but he was one of those intellectual guys. He was a, a, like a mechanical engineer of some kind. I, I don't even remember what. I honestly, after the first couple of times that we went to parties, I tried my best to avoid Uncle Gene. Because Uncle Gene would try to pin me down and he would get me alone. And at some point during the party, he would find a way to pin me down and he would start to want to just argue with me about the Bible. Okay? He didn't want to really talk about it. He just wanted to argue about it. Well, I don't argue about the Word of God. You don't want to argue. Argue with God. It's His Word. I'm not going to argue with you. But he would want to argue. And so the more he drank, 
the more he wanted to argue. And, and the problem, one of the problems was this, that Gene had read through the Word of God a number of times, you know, and he had. And in his intellect, he knew more about the words on the page than I did at that time. But I just keep talking to him like, Gene, but that, that word's got to transform your life. You know, you need to let that word begin to move in you and begin to transform you. And, and he'd go, I, you know what? I've, been, I've read the Bible a number of times. I've been through the Bible several times. It's never transformed me. There's never been any, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've read through it more times than you. And it's not changed my life. It's not transformed me as many times as I've gone through it. And, and one time before we were going over, I had watched this video and, and I thought, I'm going to say this tonight. So when he did, he said it again that night. He was like, I've never, you know, I've gone through the Bible several times. I said, yeah, Gene, you've gone through the Bible several times, but if you just let the Bible go through you once, it will change you forever. I don't know what ended up happening as far as Gene's spiritual life goes, but that did it for that moment anyway, stopped him. But church, I know I have been guilty of cracking this Bible open and just reading the words on a page. I'm sorry to say that there's been times where out of obligation, I sat down to go through the daily dig and, and I just went through it. And I, I didn't, go into the word of God with the intention of just wrestling with God. Like Jacob, wrestling with God through the word where I would walk away from that encounter changed. Where no matter what it was, you know, Jacob walked away with a limp. You may not think that that was a good thing. Well, he walked away with a limp. You know what? He was forever transformed and changed. And everyone that looked at him, everyone that saw the walk he had knew he had been with God. And I would rather limp because of my encounters with God than walk upright and neglect them. Amen. I've been through this word many times where I have not allowed this word to change me, but I've gone through this word and wanted to change the word. I wanted to change the meaning of it. I wanted it to mean something that I, I like rather than something that I didn't like. You know, how many of us read the Word of God and we never take off the uh, glasses of abuse that we have? And so we're just looking at everything in there through the abuse that we've encountered in life. And so we look at this with, you know, I, I, with a hatred towards men or we look at it with a hatred towards women or we look at it through this abusive place in our life and we look at everything that way and we try to transform the Word because I want it to mean what I want it to mean. I don't want it to mean what God wants it to mean. I want it to mean what I want. And so we take scripture or a verse here and there and we try to transform it and change it to what we want it to mean rather than going into the word of God just openly like a child saying, God, use this word to transform me. Use this word to change my life. Use this word to change the way I think. Amen. Because God, you know better. Amen. You know God. Asking him questions. Lord God, what does this mean to my life? What does this mean in my life? What does this mean for my life? God, how are you speaking to me today through this word? What are you trying to say to me, God? you got to ask those questions. Those things are things that you absolutely need if you're going to continually walk in transformation from day to day to day. God, how is this word changing me? What do you have for me today? 
digging into the history, opening it up and finding what the context means. What is the whole of what God is saying? What is it, God, that you've written? What is the life-given message? What is this personal message, this personal statement, this personal lesson that you have for me today? Going into his word. Because, listen, church, when you go into the living document, go into the living document, you will find wisdom for how to make your marriage blessed, for how to make it work, for how to see it continue. You'll find wisdom for how to develop health in your marriage. You'll find inside of here the wisdom to deal with the conflicts at work, the inner conflicts that you have over situations or circumstances that are happening. You'll find in here the wisdom to deal with your finances. The wisdom that you need to find healing from the pain, healing from the brokenness, healing from the things that have happened, healing from the things that have tormented you, healing from freedom from the dark spirits that are at work, from the demonic forces that are there, from the bondage of addiction. You need wisdom? It's here, and God has given it to you. Go get it, find it, and apply it to your life because God's ways are higher than our ways. He knows better than we know. He is the answer because He is the truth, and there is only truth in Him. What we know are lies. We're born into a world where the father of lies is the prince of this world. And we have been given the word of God in the midst of it all so that we could have a light in the darkness to teach us, to train us, to speak into our lives so that we could be changed and transformed into the image of Christ. It's in here. But our world, our world has been given this book of wisdom. And church, you look around. We live in a world that is bankrupt of wisdom. I mean, we live in a world that's bankrupt of common sense. Let alone wisdom. But the world, the world is blinded. It's ignorant of the truth that's in here. But the church shouldn't be. Not as good an amen there. Look, let me say this. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to give you a Bible. We have Bibles that I would love to put in your hand. I would love to, if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, we will get you a Bible. Just see me, see one of the ushers, see, ask, ask anybody around you. There's, we're all family. They can help you out. There's many Bibles in there. We want you to have one. The last thing that I want to go through just quickly here is that spiritual discipline roots us in godliness. Spiritual discipline roots us, our roots go down into godliness so that we can see those roots strong, that we can see that kind of godliness strengthened. Look, church, you don't just wake up one day healthy and strong. You don't, you don't just wake up that way. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. You cannot earn it. You can't work for it. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how weak you are. I don't care how far gone you are, how close you might be. We all need Jesus, and it is only by grace that we are saved so that nobody can boast, and everybody is given the same free access to the throne of God by the grace that Jesus Christ gave through his shed blood, through his resurrection, and the new life that he has promised to you and I. He has given us 
just that, and it is only by grace. And if you have not been born again or received God's spirit today, he says, come just as you are, and I will give you life and life more abundantly. I will set you apart by healing you from your sin, setting you free from guilt and condemnation, and opening the floodgates to this brand new life that I created for you, just for you. I will set you free from a path towards hell, and I will give you the promise of eternal life, heaven with me forever and ever and ever. And church, that is by grace. But then we have to walk out our salvation. We walk out this walk. We don't just wake up healthy and and whole people. What the Word of God tells us is that we in our life, we have, that health comes from, as a result of deliberate rhythms in our life. These rhythms and these patterns, this consistent cadence of, of connecting with God, connecting with God through prayer, connecting with God in Bible study, co- connecting with God in these spiritual disciplines that he calls us to. We create these ongoing, consistent cadences that walk with him. Timothy, this young man that, that Paul was training in, as he led the church, In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said this to him in verses 7 and 8. He said, and church, this is for you and I. He said, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. That's not so hard. I don't like irreverent, silly myths. If you look up the Greek, what that really means, in in the, the extended definition of that, it means have nothing to do with doctrines, that have no basis in scripture. Have nothing to do with fables, wise tales. Means people's people's unfounded opinions. He's talking about things that are culturally acceptable. Have nothing to do with unbiblical theology have nothing to do with new interpretations. These new, wise interpretations that have never come about for the past 6,000 years. He says, have nothing to do with those things. Rather, he says this, train yourself for godliness. We are at war. We are at war. What does the enemy love? The, lo- the enemy loves a weak, emasculate, great power and great authority. We are at war. We need to stand and we need to fight. And we do that by training ourselves. We train ourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Paul was giving Timothy advice for how to root himself in the things that really matter. The things that would have an impact in his life today, but also in the impact in his life eternal. And Paul called it training. Look, are you in training? Actually training? It's just like someone who wants to develop physical strength or physical muscle. It takes time. Listen, you have to go in the gym. And actually lift something. You have to actually, look, join, listen, just for all of those who are holding their VASA card, 
Just having a VasaCard will not make you healthy. Okay? Just going in the building there and watching everyone else get healthy. Come on, there's something here. Just going in the building and watching everyone else get healthy, it will not make you healthy. You can surround yourself with all of those who are actually getting healthy, and it still won't make you healthy. You have to actually work out and do it consistently. Look, you can't just download the Weight Watchers app and think that you're going to lose weight because of that. You actually have to follow the program on a daily basis. All right, okay, here's another, here's another one that, that for some of you that have this on your bookshelf. You can't just buy the Total Money Makeover book and think that your budget's just going to fall in line. You have to work it. You have to take the baby steps. You need to walk through the whole thing just one step at a time. And I'll tell you what, none of those things can be fun. None of those things are fun. Sometimes it just simply comes by dedication and commitment to be consistent. The pain in the gym, it is worth it once you start to see the results that come from the consistency that happens. Well, church, the same thing is true in developing spiritual strength and godly muscle. You have got to give God. You have to create the space for God through prayer and through the word of God. And I'll tell you what, it's not always going to be fun. That's why so many people stop. Well, you know what? I read through the Bible, but I didn't get anything out of it. it. You know what? It wasn't really fun. I thought it was boring. Working out sometimes may feel boring. Running is boring. But I do it every day because I want the results of it. The Word of God, the more we get into it, the more it gets into us, the more alive it becomes, the more it becomes real, the more it becomes relevant, the more it becomes exciting, the more it becomes something that we're passionate about. But church, it may not always be fun. In fact, sometimes it will be hard. There are some times that you're gonna, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. There's times when it's going to cost you sleep. God's going to wake you up and call you to the word. But it's worth it when we grow in godliness. Church, when we want to get in shape, when we want to begin to build strength, you know, we have to start small. Why are you all laughing at me? Why are you all laughing at me? Hey, you know what the reality is? I'm working out and you're not. Look, you know what? Sometimes this is where we are spiritually. And we feel like everyone's going to laugh at me. I remember the first Bible study I ever went to. It was a small group of, there was like six people there. And I was just so embarrassed because I didn't have any tabs in my Bible. And he kept going to all these different books and I could not find any of them. I spent the whole Bible study just trying to find the different books of the Bible and never did. 
The guy, he saw that I was struggling. He didn't point me out in the middle of the class, but he pulled me aside afterwards and he put his arm around me and he said, man, I'm so glad you're here. Don't you worry about it. It'll all come. It'll all come. Because this was all I could do at that time. But you know, the more I did this, it turned into the opportunity then, you know, to be able to, to do a little bit more. And then we get to this point where, well, you know what, I can do a little bit more now. And I can work a little bit harder now. And I can lift a little bit more than I used to be able to lift. I can, you know what, I'm getting stronger. And I'm seeing results in my life. I'm seeing that, you know what, this isn't the end. This isn't where I'm going to end up. This is just where I am right now. And I thank God, I am not where I was. But you know what, I'm not where I'm going to be. Church, do you know how you get to be like that? You start right here. Come on. It's this gradual growth. These roots that have developed, the roots you want in your life. Listen, church, they develop by routine, by maintenance, and by the spiritual fertilizer that God has given you in the Word and through prayer. But I want you to know, man, give yourself some grace. Don't take this message and think that tomorrow I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend a half hour in prayer and I'm going to spend an hour reading my Bible. Some of you may be already there. But for those of you who aren't, You'll sit down, and after about 30 seconds of prayer, you'll wonder what you're going to do for the next 29 and a half minutes. You will. And you'll read through this Bible, and, um, and an hour and a half later, you'll wake up. Because we're not ready to lift like that yet. You're going to get there. You will. Through steady and ongoing, consistent, maintaining your spiritual life, you'll get there. But don't start off with that. Give yourself some grace. You may not be able to do as much as you might want to do right now. This may sound like something, oh man, that's too simple. I want something a little harder. I want something a little more challenging. This is challenging. Because what I'm going to ask you to do isn't just to go tomorrow. I'm going to ask you to do it every day. So you may not be able to do as much as you want. You may not be able to do as much as others. Once you start lifting, you will get to the heavyweights one day. Amen. You will grow in that way. So give yourself some grace. It comes through dedication. It comes through consistency. It comes through uh, you know, this continually plugging away. And I promise you, you will begin to notice results. Amen. It may not happen right away. and It won't happen right away. But you will see definition. You will see yourself growing in endurance. So, worship team, come on back up. I'm going to challenge you to something. Because I want to see a church with deep roots. I want to see a church eliminating the weeds. I want to see a church that's able to grow the lush green grass that I know God longs for in our fields. So I'm going to challenge you. And the first thing I want to do is challenge you to this. Well, kind of cut off, but 15 minutes a day. Just 15 minutes. You know what? 
You may not be able to do the hour, hour and a half, but you can do 15 minutes. Every one of you can do 15 minutes. And I want you to take five minutes in prayer, five minutes of just giving thanks to God, taking your requests before God, letting God know what it is you need, what you're longing for, how much you're lo- you love him and how much he's blessed you, lifting up his name, asking that his kingdom would come, learning some of those things, and going through that, just five minutes in prayer, talking to God and letting God talk to you. And 10 minutes just reading the Bible. Just 10 minutes. That's, a, that's basically a chapter a day. We'll help you with that. We do something through the church. We do it. It's called the Daily Dig-In. Daily Digging into God's Word. It's on Facebook. You can find the... It, it, just go Daily Dig-In and you'll find it. We put a chapter on there every day that the church as a whole reads through that. Go through the chapter and write down just simply what it is that God spoke to you in that. You know, every time you read the Word of God, God is speaking to you. What we have to do is in tune our ears to hear Him. And that's what this whole thing, this creating this cadence of godliness will do. So taking 15 minutes, get into the daily dig. Pick up, find some kind of small devotional to do. The daily bread or or something like that. Do something, find something. If you're a couple, find a couple's devotional that you can do. James Dobson has a wonderful one called Night Lights. Just before you go to bed at night, just to sit down, it's one page and read through that. What a beautiful way for you to be able to to minister in your home, to minister one to another. Find a devotional. Something takes five minutes. Ask around. I see some of you that that once in a while you post your devotional. You You know what? If you see somebody that posts a good devotional that you like, call them, ask them, send a message. Where did you get that devotional? What is that? I want to know. This is really important. Number four, start a prayer journal. Start a prayer journal. Look, it'll be like lifting pink, these pink weights. Because you're going to have a prayer journal and you don't have anything in it. But start a prayer journal and start to write down what it is you're praying for, who you're praying for, what it is that God lays on your heart. Just start writing those things down. Attach a highlighter to it. And when God answers your prayers, you highlight that prayer. And you will be amazed how the consistency of doing that, you're going to have a book that's filled with highlights. And every time you doubt, every time you have doubts of, does God hear me? Is God answering my prayers? You're going to open that book up and you're going to see this book that's absolutely filled with highlighted prayers. And the goodness that you have challenged you to is coming out on Wednesday night corporate prayer to come out and just to be a part of what God's doing in the church to share your story, to share your testimony to share some time of prayer as we pray for the needs of the body of Christ, to pray for the needs of our community to pray one for another it's only an hour 6.45, we try to get done by 7.45, 8 at the latest come on out and be a part of that And all of this, the best time is to do this first thing in the morning while you're fresh, to give God the first fruits of your day. Get up and give Him that. Get 15 minutes before anything else. But you know what? If you can't do that and you you decide that it's better for you before bed, go for it. I don't, go for it. I don't care. 
I will tell you, it's a lot easier for your nighttime devotion time to be taken away, a whole lot easier than your morning devotion time. It gets stolen. But either way, church, if we don't carve, listen, if you don't carve out time to train yourself in godliness, the devil will steal your time. And we get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into us. We get into the presence of God until we just until the presence of God gets into us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the encouragement that you give us, the power of your word. I thank you, God, that you are great and greatly are you to be praised. And God, if there's any here today that are apart from you, if there are those here today, Lord, that have not made or accepted you as the Lord and Savior of their lives, I pray today they would call upon your name, that they would just call out and say, God, I, I want what he's talking about. If I can be forgiven, God, I want to be forgiven. I don't deserve it. But God, if you're offering that to me, I will receive that. I don't, I don't want this guilt and condemnation anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. Help me, Jesus. How do, I want to live for you, Lord. And if you just pray that prayer, you call upon the name of the Lord, he says, you shall be saved. And he'll place his Holy Spirit upon you. He'll fill you up. And he'll give you a desire to what I'm talking about today that we begin to walk out our salvation. He does the work. We just obey Him. Hey, I just sprayed the weed and feed on. The weed and feed destroyed the weeds. And for those today, Lord, that are struggling in anxiety and stress, oh Lord, I understand all too well. And I pray that today, Lord, that you would fill them with hope. Fill them, Lord God, with a peace, that peace that passes all understanding. That today, Lord, they would offer that stress, that anxiety to you. That, God, they would put it into your hands. God, forgive me for controlling and trying to be in control of everything because it's all out of control. And I cannot, I, can't, I just can't handle this mess that's been created. And I give it to you. God, help me. Help me. God, I pray today that you would minister to those that are calling out to you in that way. Oh, I know the church is filled with that. Because, God, you've given us your word. You've given us your promise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. the altar is open for anybody that may need some prayer today. We would love the opportunity to gather around you and pray with you. I would love the opportunity to pray with you. Don't rush out. What God is doing is what God is doing in here is way more important in your life than what God is going to be doing out there. Because what he's doing in here is 
going to affect what goes on out there. Come on, let's sing this. You need the altar. It's open for you. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever be We live for you We live for you Jesus Worthy of every breath 
Amen? So, I, you know, laid it out as plainly and as clearly as I can. And I hope and pray that you will, as, as a part of the body of Christ, and part of the church family, accept the challenge. Accept the challenge. And if you're already doing that, praise God. Keep going. God's got greater and greater muscle, greater and greater spiritual fortitude that He wants to build in you because the church needs it. Amen? So church is not over. Church is about to begin. So go be the church. Go be the living, alive reflection of the very Word of God. Amen? God bless you. Go be the church. We'll see you all next Wednesday night for prayer.